0: I am an illegal alien. I suppose next you'll say aliens don't exist. Duh. By the sons of Warvan, I shall avenge you. Scientists will still be searching for the mysteries of the unknown.
1: Hey, Cornerstone. So, well, good. There's one person happy to be here. That's good. All right. So, we're finishing up. We're wrapping up a series that we've been calling Aliens. And look, we know it's been campy and and, and in some ways a little bit fun and silly. But the reality is we've actually been unpacking a very serious uh, conversation, life-changing conversation together. And our theme verse has been out of Hebrews chapter 9, which in describing Abraham says this about him. That even when he got to the promised land, he lived there as a stranger, as an alien, knowing that that was not home and that there was something greater to live for. And so he lived for a city whose builder and maker was God. And we've been having the conversation that says, what would happen in our lives if we suddenly realized this isn't home? That that there's something greater than the 80 years that we live on this little dot here And what would it mean to begin to leverage our lives for something that was eternal in its significance, and not to waste all of our time, all of our talent, all that God had given us here on ourselves? And matter of fact, last — or a couple weeks ago, we had a conversation that said, you realize everything you have, every opportunity, uh, the home you were raised in, uh, your finances, uh, the talents and abilities that you have, you realize those are all God-given, and they don't belong to us. The reality is you're not an owner, you're a manager, and the expectation from God was is that you would leverage those things, you would leverage your life for something bigger than yourself, that you would leverage it uh, for Him. And then last week as we had a conversation, we just kind of dug in to the finances, and it was a big deal, let's just be honest. And it's, it's interesting that as you and I start figuring out that this world is not home, Probably one of the last bridges we cross, one of the hardest discussions we have is about our dollars, it's about our finances. It, it, for many of us, it will be that last move of discipleship in our lives that says, I get it, God is in charge and I'm not. And it'll show up with what we do with our finances. And so we gave you a card like this last week, and we said, would you… Just go home. Would you spend time with your spouse? Would you spend time with God? And would you simply pray about how you should respond uh, with your finances and, and what you ought to put in this little blank up here at the top? And we promised, we said, Look, 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 no one's gonna call you. You're not gonna get any letters about that's it. not what this is. This is about you and I having a conversation with God in which we do two things: in which we say to God, Look, here's the deal. I need to express to you how grateful I am. And we know that gratefulness and generosity go hand in hand. And so whatever I put at the top of this card, I just wanted to express to you how thankful I am for what you've done in my life. I want to thank you for what you've given me and the op- — I, I just want this to express my gratitude. And then the second part, and I want to declare as I give this gift, I want to declare that I love you, God, more than anything I could have bought with that money that you hold first place in my heart. I love you more than a big screen TV. I love you more than trading in my car this year. I, I love you and so I'm willing to give so that you know that you have first place in my heart and my life. And so I just wanna remind you again and as the service goes on today, that you would continue to pray. Uh, when we get to the end of the message today, we're gonna go ahead and hand these in together. But at the end of the day, let, let's, our heart's covenant is just to say look, This amount needs to be what God would lay on my heart, not what what God would ask me to do as a reflection of my love for Him on the deal. I I asked today uh, for a friend of mine uh, to come and kind of close out this series. Uh, His name is John Jenkins. He's the senior pastor of First Baptist Church in Glen Arden, which is a church that is right in the Washington, D.C. area. It is a huge church. Uh, Matter of fact, just to give you perspective, it is twice the size of Cornerstone. And the reason I asked John to come and just kind of share and close us out today is because his church has gotten an absolute handle on this whole idea of generosity. They have landed this conversation together. And I thought, what better way than someone who was living it out, uh, someone who had actually been there and done this uh, to have this kind of last conversation with us. Now here's the thing about John. Uh, John is one of those guys who likes encouragement from the audience. So if you say, go pastor, he'll go, I promise. You do that to me, you're going to freak me out. But uh, with John, that's kind of like fuel for the fire. So this Sunday only, you have absolute permission, man. You can yell it out. You can tell the man to go get that sinner. You can, whatever you need to do, you can do it this Sunday and uh, John will run with it on the deal. Here's the deal. I'd like for us to give a cornerstone welcome uh, to John Jenkins today.
0: Thank you. Man, that's, that's the best I've gotten all day. I can tell right now I'm going to like y'all. It is a blessing to be here today. I'm thankful to God for just the privilege of being in Arizona. That wonderful weather you have outside today is just blowing me out of the water. Uh, I was expecting a nice, warm, sunny day, but I, I guess I bought my winter weather, from uh, rainy weather from Maryland with you. Help me celebrate your pastor. How many of you know your pastor is a great pastor Pastor Leonard? He is an incredible leader, and uh, I left my church to come here because of my high respect for him and my love for him and his wife. Matter of fact, you know he couldn't be the joker that he is had it not been for his wife, Lisa, who's really the cream of the crop, and now help me celebrate her too. I don't know where... Yeah. She's here somewhere. My wife is here roaming around with uh, Lisa somewhere, my wife of 33 years. Can you imagine a woman being married to me for 33 years? That's just (laughs) unbelievable. Don't clap. Don't clap on that point right there. That's just. We have six kids. And um, um, thank God that um, uh, one time we're still together, but it's not because I've been the great father, the great husband and a great man of God. Um, I've been jacked up, messed up, towed up. Matter of fact, she got so mad at me one time, she went into the closet, broke out the suitcase, started packing clothes, she said she's leaving. She can't take it no more. Oh man, I didn't know what to do. So I did the only thing I knew to do. I went in the closet after her, broke out my suitcase, started packing my clothes. I said, I'm going with you. Wherever you going, I'm going with you. So we're still together. She can't leave me. If she leave, I'm going with her wherever she goes. <laughs> I want to give a shout out to the Santan campus and thank God for those who are <laughs> participating there as well as any online viewers. And thank you all for being here today. You know, a lot of churches, when they, pay, when they find out the pastor's not that preaching, they get up and leave. Thank you all for not leaving, at least until um, I finish preaching. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the wonderful privilege of uh, being here today in Chandler, Arizona. I'm grateful for this opportunity. Thank you for this church and the work that this church is doing to impact the lives of so many broken people. Thank you for the pastor. I pray, God, that each person now present, those who are participating even outside of these walls would hear from you, that you would anoint us to be your mouthpiece for these next few moments. Allow your word. In your truth to transcend the moment and speak to the lives and hearts of your people. Let me be your channel and your conduit. I give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. The pastor said that I like to give feedback, which is true. My gift flows best when I know I got people supporting and helping and with me. And the best way to do that is every now and then say, Amen, preach on, Pastor, you're right. I like that. Anything along those lines. <laughs> so let's give a little practice, see if y'all can do it, because that you know. Matter of fact, I feel like an alien here. Speaking of the alien thing, uh, a black man up here preaching to all you Anglo people. So help me feel, help me feel walking by saying, preach on, Pastor. Preach on, Pastor. Amen. Amen. Okay, so y'all can't do it. All right, I'm going to talk to y'all about money. Amen. Come on now, come on. You know, when you, when you start talking about money, people get nervous. They get scared. People don't like to talk about money in church. Matter of fact, you can talk about everything else in church, but don't talk about money. Matter of fact, I saw some people when I said the word money, you got scared. I saw some ladies grabbing their purse. <laughs> I'm not going to take your money. I'm not after your money. Neither is God. He's after your heart. If God gets your heart, your money comes along with it. Matter of fact, here's how it goes you don't get it, you do not have an encounter with God where he gets in your head and you think different. Get in your eyes, you see things differently. Get in your tongue, you speak different. Get in your hands, you touch different things. Get in your heart, you love different. Get in your feet and your legs, you walk different. But somehow he slides around your wallet. (laughs) It doesn't happen like that. When God gets a hold of your heart, the money comes along with it. I don't have to follow you around, I don't have to follow you around to find out what's important to you. All I have to do is look at your checkbook your checkbook will reveal what you value. Where you write your checks, where you charge your credit card, where you give your money is a reflection of what is important to you. The Bible says where a man's treasures are, that's where his heart will be also. So your treasures are a reflection of your heart. And I wanted to talk about this today at the conclusion of this alien message from the book of Malachi chapter 3. It is the last book in the Old Testament. If you have your Bibles, your iPhone, your iPad, your Galaxy, wherever you have your Bible, go to this book of Malachi. The thing that's interesting about Malachi is that it's the last book in the the Old Testament. After Malachi closes out, when this, this, this minor prophet finishes speaking, God will be silent for 400 years. So it behooves us to find out what does God say to Israel and to his chosen people before he shuts it down for 400 years. What he says is significant. I want to read beginning at verse 6 of chapter 3 to you. Here's what it says, I, the Lord, do not change, verse 6, so you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed ever since the time of your forefathers. You have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a man rob God? Yet you robbed me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse. The whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough, you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty." Amen. I want to talk about, I'm going to ask a question, can you spare a dime? Look at your neighbor and ask him, can you spare a dime? All right, let's try that again. Look at the other neighbor and say, can you spare a dime? Ask him. Dimes, dimes, we've done a lot with dimes. I mean, you can do, there was a day you could, you could do a lot with dimes. Years ago when you could, you could, you could buy a cup of coffee with a dime, you could buy a newspaper with a dime. You can't do nothing with a dime today. You surely can't go to Starbucks and get nothing for a dime. You can't do much with dimes. However, God still grows and functions his kingdom on dimes. While dimes won't do much for anybody else, dimes still work for the kingdom of God. And that's what this particular passage is about, is that God speaks to the children of Israel before he shuts it down for 400 years, and he says to them in essence, you've been taking dimes from me. As a matter of fact, if I could just walk through these first first verses here in this third chapter, He begins by displaying and talking about a problem that they have. I like the way he starts it off. In verse 6 he says, I'm the Lord, I don't change. We serve a God that doesn't change. Now y'all ever met people who change? I know sometimes people can change on you. But we serve a God who doesn't change. He says, ever since the time, verse 7, of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. You walked away from me, God says to them. You strayed from my precepts. I've taught you my word and told you what I wanted you to do and you've strayed away from it, he says. But then he says this, here's what I love about God. He says, return to me and I will return to you. That's what I love about God. No matter how far you've strayed away, how low you have sinned, how dirty your sin, how frequent your sin or who your sin was with, we serve a God who gives you another chance. He's a God who will wipe your slate clean and forgive you, amen. That's what I love about the Lord Jesus, is that he forgives us. If we come to him and acknowledge that we need him and acknowledge that we're sinners and acknowledge how messed up we are, he's a God that will give us another chance. I used to say God gives second chances, but after you have done second chances about 20 times, you realize it's not second chances, it's just another chance. Anybody here know God gave you a whole bunch of other chances? He is the God that gives us a whole bunch of chances. He says to them, return to me. Come back to me and I'll come back to you. Reach out to me and I'll reach out back to you. If you're not as close to God as you used to be, make no mistake about who has gone astray and he's always standing ready to come back in fellowship with you if you would make the choice to come back then. Return to me, he says, and I'll return to you. But here's the thing, they say to God, Israel who has strayed from his principles, they say to God, How are we to return? How do we get back to you? I'm amazed that this is the question they ask God and God answers their question with his own question. He says, will a man rob God? He answers their question by asking them, will a man rob, which seems crazy to me. How can a man rob God? God owns everything, but yet God says, he asked them the question, will a man rob God? And then he answers the question and says, yet, you have robbed me, you've taken from me, you've robbed from me, he says. Matter of fact, he says, you've robbed me in tithes and offerings. I didn't expect to get a whole lot of amens on this very pointed point, but here's the challenge. God says to Israel, you strayed from me, you've gone away, you want to get back, but here's the point, you're robbers, he says, robbers. I suspect that in our country, all over this country, all over these United States of America, that we have a lot of robbers. Matter of fact, I think there's someone on your row. Look up and down and see if you can figure out who the robbers are. <laughs> now, don't point to them or anything like that. Just say, okay, I know who the robbers are. <laughs> Notice he calls them robbers and not thieves. Because there is a difference between a robber and a thief. A thief comes in quietly, secretly. A thief sneaks in at night while you're still asleep, takes what he wants and wants to get out before you know that they're there. A thief comes in when you're not at home and they want to take it and never be discovered that they've been there. They want to take it and you not even know who did it. But God does not call Israel thieves, he calls them robbers. And here's the distinction, the thief comes in secretly but the robber does it openly, blatantly. A robber comes into the store with a gun. He might have a mask on his face, but he don't want want there to be any doubt about the fact that he's taking something that's not his. And God says to Israel, you're not a thief, you're a robber. Anytime you take something that belongs to God and thinking that you're getting away with it, it's not thievery, it's a robbery. You can't take it secretly from God. He sees you. I feel the tension in the room because I know some people here realize they've been robbing God. He says how? In tithes and offerings. You've been taking tithes and offerings. The Bible teaches with clarity, with specificity. You talk to anybody you want, over and over and over again God speaks and gives us clarity that tithing is his way, 10% of what you bring in, of what you earn is God's way of funding his kingdom. It is the way that he allows things to be accomplished for the sake of his kingdom, 10%, can you spare a dime? Amen, Pastor Jenkins. I'm going to see. I'm going to have to encourage myself while I'm preaching here today. That's all he asked for is a measly dime. Ten cents. A dime out of every dollar. A penny out of every ten cents. A dollar out of of every ten dollars. This a dime. Ten percent, he says. He says, but yet you have robbed me, even the whole nation. He said, y'all have been doing it. You've taken from me. You've rebelled against me. You're a robbery. And he says, because of that, you are cursed with a curse. I didn't write, that's what it is right here in the scripture, verse 9 says, you're a curse with a curse. We have a lot of people who are walking around with a curse over their head. and They want to know how come they can't get ahead. How come they can't move forward. How come they can't prosper. How come every time they get two nickels to rub together, something happens and they lose it. I've discovered, I challenge the people in our church. I say, if you're not tired, then I bet you if you, if you add up all of your unexpected bills, it adds up to just about 10%. Because the reality of the fact is God says to us, you are cursed, you are bringing upon you a curse, you are bringing upon you something that is detestable that God doesn't want on you. He doesn't want us to be cursed with a curse. But when you touch the tithe, which is sacred, it's holy, it belongs to him. Leviticus says that the tithe is holy, it belongs to God. When you dip your hands in it, you are messing with something that is sacred to God. And I feel the tension in the room that some people say, well, I can't afford not to tithe. I'm telling you, you you, you can't afford to tithe. Here's the truth, you can't afford not to tithe. When you need God to bring you up out of the hole that you're in and give you deliverance, you can't afford not to. (laughs) Amen. Let me thank those 17 people for that rousing (laughs) applause. It is a a powerful principle that God lays out, but he says to us, here's the solution, here's the prescription. The problem is they were tithing, but then he gives us a prescription of how to resolve it. In verse number 10, he says, bring ye all the tithes. Bring the tithes into the storehouse. Bring the whole tithe, not a portion of it. Bring it into the storehouse. Bring 10% into the storehouse, and I think this is significant and powerful because he tells us what to do and how to do it. Bring it into the storehouse. What a lot of people do is take their money and send it across the country and send it to their cousins and send it to their grandmothers and send it to their children and send it to do everything with it but fund the kingdom of God. Preach on Pastor Jenkins. It does not belong in your cousin's house. It does not belong with your friends. It it belongs in the place where you are being nurtured and fed and ministered and pastored and served. That's where it belongs, in the storehouse. Woo, y'all making a man work hard today, I'm telling (laughs) you. It belongs in the storehouse, not down to Kenneth Copeland's church or Fred Price's or... So wherever your favorite TV preacher is, it belongs right here. You're sitting on chairs that were paid for because somebody gave their tithes and offerings to the church. belongs. It belongs right in the house, and that's what God tells us to do. Bring it into the storehouse that there might be meat in this house, resources. That's what meat means, resources to expand the kingdom of God, and all he asked for is a dime. He said, can I have just a dime of the money that I've given to you? Matter of fact, how do we have the nerve to talk about it's our money? It ain't your money. The, the job you have, God gave, we, we, how we got the nerve, y'all excuse me, this is the last service today I feel like going off, how we got the nerve to talk about something this house, here you are living on God's planet, living, breathing God's air, working a job God gave you, living in a house God provided, talk about it's mine. <laughs> Everything you have, God gave it to you, and he can take it from you at any moment. The reality of the fact is, he says, bring it into the storehouse. And then I like this. I love the scriptures. I love the word of God. He says, bring it. Matter of fact, tithing is the standard of the day. 39 references in the Bible about tithing. It speaks over and over again. Then there's always some little smart, allergic person who says, that's an Old Testament scripture. It's not for the New Testament. <laughs> the reality of the fact is, tithing started before the Old Testament law. When Abraham gave a tenth of his resources to Melchizedek, that was long before Moses brought the law. It's a principle that God reveals to us through the law, life of Abraham by giving 10%. Yes, it's, it's, be, it's, it's not only, yes, it's in the Old Testament, but it's in the New Testament too. Matter of fact, let me tell you where it is in the New Testament. Let, can I tell y'all where it is in the New Testament? Matthew 23, 23. Jesus talks to the scribes and Pharisees for the next smart joker that say it ain't in the New Testament. Matthew 23, 23. (laughs) Jesus was talking to the scribes and Pharisees. And he says to the scribes and Pharisees, listen to what he says, you hypocrites. You pay your tithe down to the penny, but you omit the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Here's what he says to them. You pay your tithe down to the penny, but you don't give and serve my kingdom out of what's merciful, out of what's full of faith. You you, you don't do that. You don't do out of out of what's just. And here's what they would do: they would pay their tithe down to the penny. Now I know y'all don't have nobody like this here in Arizona, but at the church that I pastor in Maryland, we had people who pay their tithe down to the penny. They pay their tithe, but it's down to the penny. $27.86. Now, come on now, just help me me with y'all. Help me with this for a minute. You mean you are that tight with God that you can't round it off the extra 14 cents to just say thank God for what he's done for you? Oh, it's getting kind of quiet. I must be talking about (laughs) y'all. I must have those people in the camp here when I say that. Can you imagine that you are that? I ain't with God that you were just round it. Isn't God worth rounding it up? You know what I'm saying? Okay, all right, maybe he's not to y'all, but he is to me. Matter of fact, Jesus called the scribes and Pharisees who tithed hypocrites. That's what he says in Matthew twenty-three, twenty-three. you hypocrites. Now, what that tells me is hypocrites tithe. So if you are not a tither, you haven't even elevated yourself to a level of a hypocrite yet. (laughs) Look around you. There's some less than hypocrites around you. Look around you. As a matter of fact, I love love the promise of God and the scriptures that he gives us because he also tells us, and here's what I love about the Lord. He says, I want you to put me to the test. That's what he says right here in in, in, uh, verse number 10. He says, test me in this, says the Lord. "Put, Put me to the test and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room, you will not have room enough for it. God says, put me to the test and see if I won't bless you beyond your wildest dreams. See if I won't open up the floodgates of heaven and pour you out blessings that's beyond your capacity to handle. I don't know if you've ever had that happen in your life. I've had it in my life and have have it in my life where God blesses me in ways beyond my ability to handle. Maybe you never got like this, but God is the kind of God who wants to be able to make you say out of your mouth to him, God, can you just slow down the blessings a little bit? I can't handle the ball right now. Can Can you spread it out? I'm doing better, thank the 18 people for that rousing applause. (laughs) That's what he wants to do, open up and bless you beyond your wildest dreams. Every time I teach in my church about finances and tithing, some tremendous people come forth with tremendous testimony. That's why I don't have any problems teaching it because I know it's true. And I see God bless people beyond their wildest dreams. We have people who paid off their house, their mortgage, and saw God just do super and the people getting promotions on their jobs and they already at the top of their job, can't get no promotion, and God give them a promotion on their job. I see it happening over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And then I say and over and over again. He keeps doing it over, but he says, I'm just looking. The eyes of the Lord looks to and fro. He's looking for somebody who's willing to trust him and put him to the test. He says, see this, put me to the test and see if I will not open the floodgates. Now, I like that term floodgates because it's a, it's a Hebrew word that means God will open up a channel. That's what it means, chimney. It means, in the Hebrew, it means chimney. God says, I'll open up a chimney. What's significant about that? What's significant is, God says, if you tithe and give me your tithes and offerings, I'll open up the window, I'll open up the floodgate, I'll open up a channel, and what's significant is, that channel will go right to you. In other words, it's a channel or chimney that dumps down in your house. Not at your neighbor's house. Some folk think your blessing ended up next door. It's supposed to be your blessing that's at your neighbor's house. Not that I'm I'm never upset about what happens with my neighbor. Y'all shouldn't, don't get upset about what happens to your neighbor. If God blesses your neighbor, celebrate because it means God is in the neighborhood. It means that he's in the neighborhood. It means that he's prepared and in a place to part you. He will bless you. He will see to it that it'll come down the chimney to you. It'll come down the channel into your life. You don't ever have to worry about about it. We serve a God who doesn't mess up by sending your blessings to somebody else's house. So he says, I'll I'll open the floodgates and pour you out. I love that word pour because it means to empty out. It means to give you everything that's due to you. I'm afraid that some of you got some stuff that, God, that is due to you, but God can't pour it out because you're stingy. You're tight. <laughs> if everybody say amen together, nobody know I'm talking about you. You're tight. You're selfish. <laughs> so some of y'all got Tupperwares, packs and packs of Tupperware up in heaven waiting for God to get you to a place of obedience so he can pour it out, but he can't because you're stingy. I'm feeling something over in this section right here, I don't know what it is. (laughs) He says, he'll pour it out. I'll empty out everything that I have that's got your name on it. I'll pour it out to a place where you won't have room enough to receive it. And then he says, here's the other thing he says, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your field will not cast their fruits says the Lord Almighty. He hears what he said. I'm going to keep the enemy from devouring your stuff. I'm gonna I'm I'm keep it so it'll last. I'm gonna keep it so it's. I'm gonna keep the. I'm gonna keep it so you'll prosper. I'll keep your investments from failing. I'll keep your product and your possessions from falling apart. And I've saw this happen in my life. I, I'm telling you today, I've seen God do it super supernaturally. My wife and I got six kids, and 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 that time doing our marriage. We've been married for 30, 33 years. We've been married for thirty three years. And I've seen God take stuff that broke down in my house. Here's how I know God is real because I always honored Him with my tithe, don't care what the situation, I always on here with my tithe. And I saw stuff in my house break down and I didn't have the money to fix it. And guess what? In a couple days, I saw God cause it to start working again. Amen. It's a miracle, I tell you. It's a miracle that God would make it work again. I know it's God and God alone that made it happen. Only God, could, only God could make that happen. He says, I'll keep the divine. Matter of fact, I had a car one time. I had, car, I had a car. I had a car. I had a car. My father, I had bought it from my father, and I drove that car. It was a great car. It was a Cadillac. It was a Cadillac. It was a nice car. <laughs> but God blessed me to get a new car, and so I sold that car to a deacon in my church for $1. I drove it that morning. He was coming over to pick it up. That morning, I drove that car. That afternoon the deacon came over to get the car. He gave me the dollar, I signed over the, the deed, the title to him. I signed the title over to him, went out to walk him out to the car to see him off and the car wouldn't start. <laughs> it ain't my car no more. <laughs> That's your car, dude. That's not my car. I believe that God kept it functioning and running while it was in my possession. He kept it alive. He kept the devourer's hands off of it long as it was mine. He kept it functioning and getting me where I need to go. Go on and preach, Pastor take It kept me rolling. That's the kind of God we serve. And if he would do it for me, he will do the same thing for you. He's no respecter of persons. Whew. Y'all make a man have to work hard for uh, a living. He says, then all the nations will call you blessed. For you will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. He says, I'm going to prosper you and bless you and protect you and give you victory. I thought by now this crowd would be standing up on their feet, running around, shouting and celebrating <laughs> this very profound, prolific, powerful presentation that I'm preaching to you (laughs) today. But I think what I need to do is help you all visualize it and see what I'm saying. So in my pocket, I bought with me ten dimes. Can y'all see those ten dimes? That's ten dimes. God says, when you earn your ten dimes, honor me by taking one of those dimes and give it to me. So let's just imagine this God's table right here and I give it to God, there it is right there, a dime. Keep the other dime, it's yours, take care of your family, meet your needs, pay your bills, and I'll protect it, I'll keep it, I'll multiply it, just do that. Can y'all see that? Nope, y'all can't see it. That's why y'all are so quiet. Here's uh ten apples. Let me illustrate it with that. Be a little more visual. Got ten apples, you earn your ten apples. Before you do anything else, before you pay any other bills, you give God the top priority. Give him his ten percent. You keep the other nine. Put it in your account. You manage that. Y'all still ain't got it. I'm gonna I got 10 oranges right here, you got paid 10 oranges, you get to give God what's rightfully His, give Him one, keep the other nine. Y'all got it? Y'all too slow, this is a crowd that I thought I got 10 pears. Give one to God. You keep the other nine. Y'all getting there, but I ain't got everybody on board yet. Here's 10 bananas. One to God, his table. Now, y'all notice I have to manage this. I have to, I have to work at making them all stay piled. See, that's when you do it God's way, you have to manage your money. When you're not doing it God's way, you don't get to manage it because it's gone before you, before you even get it. All right. All right. Ten grapefruits. one to God. The first time all day. Look at what's yours. Look at what God asked for. Y'all see the difference? This is yours. If you do this, if you do this, He said, I'll beat back the devourer. I'll keep the enemy from messing with you. I'll stop the enemy from defeating you if you do this. I will bless it and multiply it and grow it if you just do this. But for those, who don't tithe? Here's what you do. You come and you bring this over to you and keep it to yourself, and you think God ought to be happy because you dropped a twenty dollar bill in the offering. Amen, Pastor Jenkins. I know it's tight. I know it's tight. The tension is tough. I'm listen. After the day, I'm gone. Y'all don't have to deal with me anymore today. I'm gone. But while I'm here, I is here. (laughs) Go on, pastor. you here. In other words, we are selfish, self-centered, a lack of faith, a lack of obedience. And God says you are cursed with a curse. You'll never get ahead. When you pay your bills before you pay God, you are in essence saying, I got more confidence that they're going to take care of me than God. But let me tell you something. Master charge can't help you when you get into trouble. You need a master. You need a master to be in charge of helping you. Master charge can't do it. Visa can't do it. American Express surely ain't going to do it. So I've learned not only to give God my tithes, because the scripture says, give him your tithes and your offerings. I'm not trying to see how much I can keep. I'm trying to see how much I can give. And what I discovered is the more I give to God, the more he gives to me press down, shaking together, running over. And I've found God do miracles in my life and blessings in my life because I dare obey him and trust him. Because you know what? He has my heart. So it's easy for me to do that because he has my heart. Maybe the reason some of us can't give our tithe to God is because he doesn't have our heart. My prayer is that you give God your heart. And if you give Him your heart, He'll bless you beyond your wildest dreams and expectations. Amen. Thank you. Father, we want to be people who can give a dime. Not so selfish that we hold on to your dimes, but we want to give you your dimes and some of our dimes. And so I pray in Jesus' name and by his power and might for you to move upon the hearts of these your sons and daughters, challenge those, O oh God, give them the faith and courage to obey you in their resources. Honor you with their, the blessings of their life. I thank you, Father, and I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.
1: Thank you, John. Thank you, man. Okay, so you can grab a seat. And I'm just going to ask you this Sunday, don't go running out. Uh, Spend a few minutes in the room. What you and I are about to do may be one of the most profound acts of worship in our lives. Because the reality is this our wallets are attached to our hearts. And there may be no bigger statement that some of us make than what we're about to make together about how we feel and what we believe about our God. And so I'm going to give you a few moments. I'm going to ask every single person to pull out one of these cards and just pray over it that's all I'm asking would you pray over it if God says put zero put zero nobody's asking you for anything else but as you pray would you simply say this to the Lord Lord I want what I put in that box to reflect my gratitude towards you see I'm thinking I'm thinking if I'm really really thankful for what you've done in my life then giving probably shouldn't be this hard And I want whatever I put in that box to be a clear statement to my heart, not to anybody, but to my heart, that you are first place in my life, that I love you more than anything I could have bought with that money. And so it's easy for me to set it here and say, look, it's yours. And that whatever you put in that box sends a clear message to your Savior. Just whatever that is you do that. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you a few moments right now, the opportunity to pray once again over this card. The band's going to give you a moment before we start, and then we're going to collect. We're going to have the offering come, and we're just going to ask you to put these in and as your statement uh, today. Let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, we're just going to be honest. Some of us, some of us, this is kind of the last thing this is, this is that part of our lives that we've given you so many other parts and we've allowed you to be Lord of so many different areas in our life. And this has been the last area. It's got its fingers wrapped around our heart and it's been the hardest one for us to surrender. It's been a mistress that has literally vied for our love. And we're simply today going to become aliens. We're going to say, look, I I no longer live for this world. There's nothing I could buy in this world that means more to me than making a statement about my Savior, that means more than me than being obedient to what He's called me to do. And God, may we put the right number, the number you would direct, in that box. This we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You take a few moments. You consider what God would have you do and then simply do that.